Uh, I was thinking uh, of a movie this this week. Uh, I'd seen it years ago. Um, it was a movie starring, uh, it was called Signs. It was starring Mel Gibson. Maybe you saw it was about 15 years ago. Uh, and one of the back stories, kind of part of the plot of the movie, uh, is, is he's a, a single dad with some kids and, and his wife has passed away. And you're aware of this throughout the movie, but there's a scene in the movie where they flash back and they kind of show uh, his wife died in an accident in the movie. And he goes out to see her uh, at the scene of this accident. And it's made very clear when you watch the movie that he's talking to her for the last time. And he has literally moments before she's going to pass away and there's nothing they can do. And so he goes out and it's this really, really intense scene of her telling him to uh, to to love the kids and these kind of things and, and what you would expect. And it's hard to watch in some ways because you start to watch that movie and you think what that would be like uh, to have in front of you, knowing that this is the last chance you get to talk to this person or this is kind of the, the parting words to say these things. And and it's really um, as you watch it and think about it, if you let your mind go there, it becomes a very profound uh, thought experiment. What would you say uh, if you just had a couple minutes with your spouse or, or your children or, or your loved ones? Uh, that's the last thing that you wanted to tell them. You've got five minutes to tell them. What would you say to them? And what would that be like? What would those parting words be? And, and if you let your mind go there and you start to think about it, it's very telling about uh, what you value and what you believe and what you see as most important. And all of that kind of comes rushing in when you when you think that way for just a moment. And so I was thinking about that scene in that movie and what that was like. And then thinking about these passages we're looking at in Matthew 28. And then Acts 1 this morning as Jesus gathers the disciples together and he speaks his parting words to them before the ascension. The last thing that he says to them, uh, he, he's going to give them very clear direction on what they're to be about and be doing. But then he's also going to give them this great promise and, and words of encouragement that he says to them. And so as we finish up this series, we've been walking through the life of Jesus since the beginning of the year. We've gone all the way up to the resurrection and Jesus post resurrection. Uh, appearances and now today the very last one the last thing he says before he ascends and so we're going to spend time in that and real simple on how we're going to look at it today is the mission that Jesus gives us what he tells us that we're to be about and it's very simple and hopefully it should be something that you're well aware of and you think about because we say it often here but it's to go and make disciples of all nations and that's what he's going to say. That's that's our our marching orders, our mission that he tells us to be about to go and to make disciples. And the second part I want us to think about is the power and promise that he encourages us with to be able to go and do just that. Because that's what he says here. He gives us the mission and then he says some things that are very profound and important for us to think about to encourage us to do that. And so with that said, let's jump right in. We're going to look at these two passages. We're going to spend most of our time in Matthew 28, but we'll kind of look at Acts chapter one. These are really parallel passages. Uh, they're, they're telling us about the same uh, kind of time as right before Jesus. The last thing he's saying is they gather together. And as we get to this in, in Matthew 28, uh, Dennis read it for us just a second ago, but it says in verse 16, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. That's Matthew 28, verse 16. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I want us just to think for a second about that command to go make disciples. As Jesus says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. 
Um, I'm speaking from my own experience and what I grew up with. And so I don't want to project my experience onto you. But this is in my life. Uh, discipleship was talked about often. It was something I always heard within the church and growing up. And people would say or mention discipleship and that we're to be making disciples. Uh, but what I always saw growing up in church is discipleship looked like uh, older believers or more mature believers getting together with newer believers and doing a Bible study. And that's what it was. That's what discipleship was. That if you're going to be a disciple, you study your Bible and you get together and you do that. And I think that is an important and vital part of discipleship. And so please don't hear me. There's no negative connotation to that. That's not what I'm saying. But if that's all discipleship is, it is woefully inadequate in view of what Scripture tells us. Because that's not the picture that we get. We don't get this image of discipleship in the Bible being believers getting together with believers and doing Bible study. Although that's part of it. That is part in there. But that's not the whole of what it looks like. And so I want us just to look at this text and think about this. What it says here in Matthew 28 and then in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. It says, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? But he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the fathers affixed by his authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it's Luke telling what happened and Matthew's telling us and those are kind of the same together. He's saying the same thing. He's sending us out. Uh, that's Acts 1, 8. It's kind of Luke's great commission. We could say John 20, 21 is John's as, as Jesus appears to them after the resurrection. He says, as the father sent me, so I'm sending you. He says to the disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. And so we see this over and over in the Gospels of the disciples gathering together and Jesus meeting with them and then sending them out to make disciples to go out. But what I want you to think about is who was there in Matthew chapter 28 or in Acts chapter one, who was there hearing this call to go make disciples of all nations? If we read in Matthew, it says the eleven were gathered together uh, in Acts. It talks about the apostles and then it says that they had gotten together. And then it says in verse six, when they had come together, it doesn't tell us exactly who's there in Acts. But if we read down through Acts chapter 21, right after that, they get together. And then it says all the believers kind of gathered into one place. And it says there are about one hundred and twenty of them. That was the whole of the church. At the beginning, as they gathered together in Acts 1 to, to wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit Jesus had given. But when we take all that picture, what I'm, what I'm driving at here is what you have is basically the followers of Jesus gathering together with him before the ascension. And he's telling them, you're going to go make disciples of all nations. You're going to go out and you're going to proclaim who I am and what I've done. You're going to bear witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so here's the question. It's the believers that are gathering together, hearing Jesus say this. So who are they sent to? When he says, go make disciples of all nations, who are the people that they're sent to? And the answer is they're sent to people that don't yet know Jesus, that are not yet believers. And so growing up, when I always heard discipleship was believers with believers, helping them read the Bible and grow that kind of misses the very heart of some of the things Jesus says here when he's calling the believers to go out into the world and to proclaim the glory of what he's done to all people. Discipleship is not just making uh, a believer grow in maturity. 
but it also is helping those that are not yet believers grow to belief and then from belief to maturity. And it's so important that we get that distinction. Because if we put it in this narrow thing of it's just believers with believers doing Bible study, we miss a huge part of what God's calling us to be as disciples who are called to make disciples. And so it's a continuum. And in fact, when you look closely at what's happening here, you start to see that like in Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, it says, and when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted, right? There were people there that were there and they're hearing the call to make disciples and they're with them and they're part of it. And there's some that are going, I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on here. They still had questions. They're still doubting about exactly what's happening. And so you start to see this image of those that are part of it. Or if you just look very clearly at the words, we say it all the time, the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What is baptism? It is a profession of faith in which you're entering into the church that you're now proclaiming to know Jesus as Savior and Lord and wanting to follow him. And so if he says, go make disciples and then baptize them. It's going to people that don't yet know Jesus and helping them to understand as they hear the good news proclaimed and the Holy Spirit moves and he draws them in and then they're baptized. And so I want you to think about that as a continuum. It's not just uh, a narrow, uh, more mature believer with younger believer and we're growing together. It's, it's more than that. It's from unbelief to belief and then from belief to maturity. It's not either or, but it's both and and so maybe when you stop and think about that, maybe maybe you thought about it that way. Maybe that's clear. And you go, yeah, absolutely. Maybe you haven't thought about it that way. What does it look like to be uh, seeking to disciple someone who's not yet a believer? Part of that is inviting them into your life, showing them what it looks like to follow and love Jesus in every area of your life and allowing them to see and be part of that, to be having conversations around those things to be talking about why you do things the way that you do them as they are sitting there kind of front row seeing it, inviting them in to be part of a community of believers, right? Jesus says, you'll know my disciples by the way they love each other. It's one of the great apologetics of the church is to invite people in that don't yet know Jesus in a saving way to experience what it looks like to be part of the family of God. And we're discipling them to belief. We're showing them what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, I had a conversation with a friend just the other day that I would say would say he's not a believer. But we've had lots of conversations recently about uh, things of God and what that looks like. And we've been talking about it. And he was sharing about uh, struggles at work, people that gossip a lot and the way people talk behind their back and the way it works and all the problems it causes. And I said, we well, you know what Jesus says about that. He's like, no, what does he say? So you go directly to the person. You don't talk behind their back. If you have a problem, you go talk to that person. You don't do all the. He's like, yeah, that's what I was telling him. It's exactly right. And he's affirming these things, even though he wouldn't say he's a believer. And so then we started talking about kind of the same thing in your relationship with your spouse and how you can start to have a confrontation in your relationship, especially when you don't assume the best of what they're saying. And so well, what would it look like to be gracious to your wife? If she says something, instead of snapping back, what would it look like to be gracious? And he was like, oh, I don't know. And so we started to talk about these things. And why would we want to be gracious? 
And so you're helping to disciple him to understand the grace of God, even though he's not quite sure about all that. And so you can begin to model and show and speak the reality of who we are in Jesus and what God's done for us, even if someone's not yet a believer and inviting them into that. And it helps lead them to to see the the truth of who Jesus is. Now, it's going to be a work of the Holy Spirit where we're still called to go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, of going out. And that's what Jesus is saying. And so the first thing I want you to see is discipleship is going to include those that don't yet know Jesus from unbelief to belief, but then from belief to maturity, because the next thing he says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So they come to faith and they make a profession of faith and they're baptized. But then the very next thing he says is teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And so that's from unbelief to belief and then from belief to maturity. Right? We say all the time, discipleship's growing in obedience to Jesus in every area of your life. And we're called to live that out together and to speak the truth in love and to remind one another of what God has done and who we are in Jesus. And as we walk that out together, and and that will certainly include studying the Bible together. What does God's word say about this? And how has he revealed himself and who is he and who am I in light of that? And that certainly is part of it. But it's going to be more than just that, a believer with another believer doing a Bible study. But it's this whole continuum from unbelief to belief and from belief to maturity. But when we start to think about what that looks like and how we do that and what Jesus is calling us to, I want you to look closely again at what he's saying here in verse 19. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go and make. It's both and. As you're going, you're making disciples. And so not only is it this continuum of not yet believer from unbelief to belief and then from belief to maturity. But it's as we're going, we go and make. And so when we start to think about what that looks like as we're going in all of life and all we do. I just said this, but Jesus tells us, you'll know my disciples by the way they love each other. So if we go on mission together as believers, living out our lives in community, in relationship together, inviting people into that. We're growing as disciples and we're inviting people in to grow as disciples with us as we go. As we're going and making, as we're on mission, we invite people into that. And the reason we can say that is is so clearly is everything in Jesus's life was this way. Everything that we've looked at through this series of, of following Jesus's life and what it looks like. He calls disciples to himself and he says, come follow me. And then they go. And they go and they proclaim the good news and they love people and they meet them where they are. We see Jesus at parties and at weddings and on the road and as they're walking and in the synagogue and in the in the city center and every all these places. And he's bringing the disciples with them. And oftentimes he's he's teaching and then someone says something and he's responding and then he's turning to them and he's going, do you see how this works? Do you see what's happening here? Or he pulls them off to the side and he says, do you just see what we experience? Do you hear what's happening? And as he's going, he's making disciples. And so if we're going to make disciples that look like Jesus, fully formed disciples that are him, that are like him in every way, it's going to be as we go together. 
in all of life. Unbelievers, those that don't yet know Jesus to more mature believers and the whole continuum as we go together. And it's all those pieces. I said, I didn't want to make put my experience on you, but my experience growing up is no one ever said that to me. No one ever said this is what it looks like to make disciples in every area of your life as you go, as you invite people in, as we're going along the way. It was like, hey, meet me at this place for an hour and we'll do a Bible study. It's like, that's great. It's a great start. But then how do we grow in obedience to Jesus in every area of our life? And it's as we go, we're making and we're making it part of every area of our life. And it's so important that we see why that's important. As we're going and as we're going together and as we're spending our lives together and we're inviting people in and we're watching and we're observing and we're spending that time together, you know what happens? You get exposed. Your heart gets exposed in a very real way. Because my experience is if I meet you for an hour on Sunday morning and we go in there, it's really easy to be polite and nice and everything's great. And Jesus, we love him. And I love you and you love me and it's all great. And see you later. It's not the same when we're playing basketball together. Because I'm really competitive and I'm kind of a jerk when I play basketball. And you're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you getting mad over this? And that is a ripe ground for you to then speak the truth of why are you getting your identity from basketball? Why are you not resting in Jesus and what he's done for you? And my heart's going to get exposed in those situations. And as we go along the way and we invite people in, it gives us opportunities to love and, and invite them into the family of faith. But it also gives us opportunity where we kind of get exposed. And people go, why were you talking to your wife so harshly? Why are you yelling at your kids? Which you can ask Asher. I do that from time to time and I have to repent and say, I blew it. Because I'm in process. I'm still growing as a disciple and I need to hear that and I need to be reminded of that. And so that important piece of as we go, go and make as we're spending that time together, we get revealed. And we need the truth to be spoken into those moments when we're struggling. And so it's not just in certain situations, but it's in all of life as we go along the way. So discipleship is this continuum from unbelief to belief, from belief to maturity in all of life. But then look at where he sends us. He says, go make disciples of all nations or in Acts one when he says it, when you receive power of the Holy Spirit that's come upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're sent to take the gospel over the entire planet, the face of the earth to all people. There's an important reason why all people are made in God's image called the Imago Day. Every single person on the face of the planet, no matter where they were born or where they lived or what they look like or what color their skin is, is made in the image of God. They're image bearers that desire to know their creator. And the only way that they can have that saving relationship, that communion with God is through Jesus and what he's done and they need to hear. And so he says, you be my witnesses and you go all over. If you notice in Acts chapter one, he says, go to Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and the ends of the earth. He throws in Samaria. 
If you've read in the Gospels, you know that the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along and they didn't like each other and they avoided each other at all costs. And Jesus says, when you go make disciples, make sure you go to Samaria too. You go to all of it. You go into all places and you begin to proclaim the good news of what Jesus has done to all people. It's to all nations. And so we want as a church to equip believers to share their faith, to go to all places. When we say go to all people, we mean your neighbors and the people you work with and the people God has put right in front of you. But we also mean to the ends of the earth. So maybe God's calling you to go somewhere else, to go share your faith on the other side of the planet or go to some place that's not been reached or there's very few Christians there. God calls us into all those things. And so we want to support that. We want to look to affirm that. Uh, We support Kevin Conway, who is in Budapest, and Kevin is going and traveling over Eastern Europe to equip pastors to reach people with the Great Commission. That's what he does. He goes and travels all over. And we've been supporting him through crew for the last several years. Or we support Virgil and Tony Jones, who are in uh, Canada. And they are in Quebec, in the province of Quebec, and they are there, and it is less than 1% Christian where they live. And so they go, we have to go. And proclaim the good news of who Jesus is because there are so many people that don't know him and they haven't heard. But I want to make sure we balance that, that yes, we are called to go the world over, but we're also go to to go to the person who lives next door. We're going to make disciples of all nations and all people. And so we need to have a well-rounded picture of what all of that looks like. Uh, It's why we talk about missional community groups. We're on mission together to the place that God has placed us, that we would go and make disciples, that we invite people into that. So we want to value when we get together that we're praying and we're studying God's word and we're spending time together. But we're also taking time to invite people in, to go out, to open our doors, to invite people into our homes, to speak the truth, to let them experience what it looks like to be part of a family of faith. As we seek to make disciples from unbelief to belief to maturity, all of that. And so the big picture there of what we're talking about when we talk about discipleship includes all of this. But as we think about it, I want to do just two things real briefly before we talk about the promise that Jesus gives us to do all this. Two things that can easily get us off the path. Uh, In Acts chapter 1. Uh, Jesus gathers them together. And the first thing they ask is they go, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Remember, everything they're thinking is the Messiah comes and he restores Israel and it's their kingdom and they're over all things. And every time they continue to do that, Jesus keeps going. Yeah, 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 no, go. Right. They go, you're going to restore the kingdom now. And what does he say? He says, it is not for you to know the time or season that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you're going to receive power of the Holy Spirit. And then you're going. You're going to be my witnesses across the entire planet. Not just here, and it's not just about a kingdom locally. It's not that. And he sends them out. But here's the thing I want you to see. He says, it is not for you to know the times or season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And so when we start to think about things that take us off from discipleship, that maybe work against what we're doing. Sometimes people get really excited about I'm going to get together in a Bible study and we're going to study in times and we're going to figure out when Jesus is coming back. You know where that leads? A lot of speculating on things that Jesus says real clearly right here. You're not going to know. And he tells us not to do that. 
Don't spend all your time speculating on things that you're not going to know. Go make disciples. And so when we get bogged down on things that Jesus clearly tells us, you're not going to know this. Go make disciples. And we spend all our time and energy on that. It's, it's working against making disciples the way Jesus has called us to. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading your Bible and reading Revelation and thinking through what it says. And the spoiler, tell you, Jesus wins and he comes back. He's already won and he's coming back. That's what it says. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't read it thoughtfully and carefully. You should. It says there's a special blessing from reading Revelation and it's good. But when we start to speculate, it's unhelpful when we spend all our time in that arena. But the second thing I would say to you is when it says right here, uh, they were gazing into heaven. Verse 10 of Acts 1. Right. So he goes up. He ascends, says, while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them with white robes. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. So quit standing there. Go make disciples. And so we don't want to get into heavy speculation of things that God tells us we're not going to know. And in the same way, we don't want to get into this mode that we're just waiting it out. Yes, Jesus is one and yes, he's returning, but we have an opportunity to proclaim the goodness of who he is and what he's done right now. And you will not get that opportunity again in this way. You get it for a season in this life to go proclaim who he is. Paul says very similarly in first Corinthians 15, one of the most beautiful passage about our glorified bodies and what has come. And he says, sin has been swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sin? Or where is your victory? And he says, it's, it's done. God's defeated it. You're going to have a glorified body. The mortal is going to put on immortal. It's going to be this glorious thing. And he goes through this whole thing in 1 Corinthians 15. And he gets to the very end and he says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. He says, here's the glory of what is coming. So get to work and go tell people. And you hear what Paul's saying there. He says, you go and you proclaim and you do it. And everything that you do for God's glory will not be in vain. It will all be caught up in his finished work in the end. And you'll never be like, why did I waste my time on that? It will never be in vain. And so use this opportunity that we have to go and make disciples. But the second thing here I want us to think about is what Jesus says about the promise and the power with which we are called to do this. It's a pretty high calling about making disciples of all nations. Go to all people and proclaim what God has done in Jesus. But what he says here is so glorious about what is true for us in the midst of it. And so he calls them together. And in Matthew chapter 28 and 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go make disciples. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, Jesus said, we looked at this a few weeks back. John chapter 16 in the upper room right before the crucifixion. And he tells the disciples, it's better for you that I go away because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And they're all kind of scratching their heads like, where are you going and why can't we come? And they're all right. He says, it's going to be better, though. And I want us to think about the power and the importance of the ascension as we think about all of this. But Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then right at the end, he says, uh, you're going to teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
And in his ascension, and as he ascends to his throne, I want you to see what happens. Jesus doesn't just leave us and go, good luck, you got everything you need, I'll see you later. When Jesus came to earth in the incarnation, he limited himself. He took on flesh and he limited himself to a time and a place and in this space. And he walked and he taught and he spoke the truth and he helped. And as he was doing those things, he was limited in this way. But now in the ascension, as he has finished his work. By his bloodshed, by his resurrection, by his perfect atoning life. And he does that and he finishes that work and then he ascends to heaven and he takes his place and then he sends the Holy Spirit to us. And it goes from this where God's glory dwelt in a temple in one place. When Jesus says it is finished and he dies and he bows his head and it says the veil was torn in two. The temple is no longer the place where you go to meet God. The Holy Spirit now comes in fullness in you. Believers all over the face of the planet is God is making disciples who make disciples and it's multiplying. And Jesus is on his throne and he's just supplying us with the power and work to do that. And we're going out and it's no longer in one little place. It's no longer Jesus walking in the Middle East around this little area of place proclaiming the good news. It is now going over the entire face of the globe. And Jesus is on his throne in power. And now his power radiates out to all believers. That's why we say you don't go to church. You don't come to this place to meet God. You are the church. The power of God is in you and with you in all things, in all places, at all time. And Jesus is on his throne in all power and authority. And so when you start to see what he's saying here, what is happening in the ascension? When he says, all authority and all power is given to me, go make disciples. I am with you always in all things. And so that's why he says in Acts 1, you wait here until you're clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when I send I'm now going to send it and it does. And you read through Acts and the Spirit comes in power. And this amazing thing happens. You know, this whole group of kind of ragtag guys that have been following Jesus led by Peter who's continually sticking his foot in his mouth and doing dumb things and all of a sudden the next day he stands up and he starts preaching and 3,000 people get saved. This teenager that's a fisherman that does so many dumb things and then all of a sudden with power people are coming to faith. It's because Jesus has ascended to on high and he has finished his work and he has now given you the power and person of the Holy Spirit in your life to go and make disciples. And the glory of what starts to spread and what starts to happen. Acts 1, 120 people. A chapter later, 3,000. Two chapters later, 10,000. You get to the end of Acts and the gospel has gone to the known world almost. It's made its way to Rome. And it's overtaking the face and this ragtag group of young guys and ladies that were misfits and outcasts of society have changed the world. And it's because Jesus is on his throne in all power. And the spirit has come. And so when we think about what discipleship looks like, the promise and the power to do this is not in us. It is in the God who is reigning and ruling over all things. In Titus 3, Paul writes, 
when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You know what he's saying? He says, we were a mess and we were, everything was falling apart. And then God richly pours out on us the Spirit and he's changed everything. And it's all because of what Jesus has done. It's what Jesus is saying here when he says all authority has been given to me. So go make disciples of all nations. And so I want you to be practically encouraged. As we think about what that looks like to leave here today and seek to make disciples that make disciples. And you can get overwhelmed and be like, I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. I'm not exactly sure how that works and I haven't really thought that through. We're all called to make disciples. We're all called to be a disciple and to make a disciple. If you are a disciple of Jesus, that's part of it. And it's easy to be overwhelmed with that, but I want you to hear this. Get the fullness of what God is calling us to. When you leave this place, as you sit in this place, there is not a square inch on the face of the globe that Jesus is not ruling and reigning over. There's not a single person that you will talk to that is outside of his sovereign control. There's not a single episode or place or conversation you will go into that you'll be overwhelmed, that you can't stand in faith and and trust him in the midst of it. He is with you in every place at all times in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I was convicted as I think about this this week that there's so many times I've got to write a sermon. I got to do that and I got to get it done. And I'm going to work on it and I try to make it the best that I can. And I get here and I'm like, well, didn't screw up. It was all right. I didn't leave out a whole section or I didn't get it together. And when I'm thinking that way, I'm forgetting the ascension. The power of the Holy Spirit that God is ruling And reigning right now that his spirit is working, that he is going before us, that he has a plan for you in your life to use you powerfully and wonderfully to make disciples who make disciples so that his glory will cover the face of the earth. And so often we go, got a lot to do. Yeah, I'll think about that next week. And there he is on his throne going, I am with you always in all things. Every single person that you meet, that you will ever meet, their deepest need is to know and love God. And God's spirit is working and moving in and through you and around you. And we have opportunities every day to proclaim that. And we need to be walking in the power and presence of the Spirit in our lives, believing that God's going to do that. That He's going to do abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. That He wants to use you in that. That we get to be part of that. That God loves us enough to see that and be up front in the front row to see people being changed by the power of His Spirit for His glory. Romans 1 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. The truth about Jesus doesn't bring power. 
It doesn't result in power. It doesn't have power. It is power. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. And we have the opportunity to do that. We get to be part of that. And the good news is it's not you that's going to be the one that does it, but it's going to be the spirit that does it. Our job is to trust him. To walk in faith and then watch what he's going to do. Be far more abundantly beyond anything that we can ask or imagine because of God's grace and how good he is. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the glorious good news of the gospel. I thank you for the power that comes. I pray that when we forget that, that you would remind us. I pray that as we go this week, as we walk out these doors and into this world, I pray that each person that we come into contact with, that you would remind us that their greatest need is to know and to love you and that you are working in ways beyond anything that we can imagine. We pray that you would increase our faith, that you'd give us great courage to love people the way that you've loved us. I pray that you would help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of who you are and what you've done for us. I pray that we'd rest in your grace in all things. I pray that we would extend that, help us to be patient and loving and kind, continue to mold us uh, to your image in every way. I pray that we'd see great growth in making disciples. I pray that each person here, that you would grow them in their discipleship, in their obedience to you, their love for you, their resting in your grace. And I pray that you would help us uh, to go and to make disciples. pray that we see a wonderful harvest as people coming to faith and growing in maturity and going out and proclaiming your name. And that it would all be for your glory. We pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen.